Savan, you there? I am here. Oh, I think we're on. I was just looking. I was just looking at my Instagram, looking at the drama between the new California recall election. <clears throat> so we just went through the top ten best, best male CrossFitters in the history of CrossFit, and now we're about to do the women. We're going to start at number ten. This is the official list of the greatest CrossFitters of all time. <sighs> Brian, friends, best of ten. <laughs> yeah, and I'm, and honestly, I, I'm a little bit I, more. I'm a little bit more apprehensive about the women than the men. This is a this is tough, but I I feel confident. How how many did you put a lot of time in on this, or did you just whip this out last night while you were sipping on some tequila? Uh, no tequila, but uh, I no I. I made a list when you asked me to do, I had a list. And so when you asked me to, if I wanted to do this, I put together kind of a skeleton list. Um, and then I went and did quite a bit of research and digging. I just wanted to make sure that I didn't forget anyone. Um, you know, there's some people that have had a lot of years of experience at the games, um, that just don't necessarily come to mind when you think of top 10. And so I wanted to be sure that I wasn't unjustly omitting someone from it. And then once I narrowed it down to, I, I really only, in the men's side, there were only 11 people I was really considering out of the top 10, and for the women, maybe 12. So I wanted to make sure I had the right 10. And then getting the order for the women, I'd say 5 through 9 was pretty tough for me to put in the correct order. Um, but I'm happy with where they are right now. I, I wonder if you're going to struggle with this later. I wonder if we're going to be like a week or two weeks out. You're going to accidentally see some comments. Someone's going to fucking punch you in the face at the games. <laughs> And and yeah, you're me. going. Me. <laughs> no, I mean, in two. The thing is, two weeks from now, we're going to have a whole new set of data, right? Because seven of the top ten women are competing at the games this year, and I think it was how many of the men? Maybe six. One, two, three, four, five, and five of the men are competing. So there's like definitely an opportunity. We talked about on the last show how I I really think that this year is critical for some of these athletes who didn't necessarily have the best performances in the last two years or who had their best performances in the last two years and need to basically to prove to someone like me that those weren't products of the the oddities of the test, but that actually their fitness is that good. Uh, just a quick do a little house cleaning here. Uh, did I, I know James Hobart is an accomplished CrossFit Games athlete. Um, as many one of his many accolades, and he didn't make the top ten on your last male list. Did James make the top ten in the female list? <laughs> <laughs> James, oh yeah, he would have been inside the top ten against these women. Yeah, no, I wouldn't oh. have. <laughs> as he wipes a tear from his no, eye. I wouldn't have. I wouldn't have. I've trained and competed against some of the. You know, it's like no, I wouldn't have. I think you could have snuck at least snuck into tenth. That's really nice of you to say. I'd, I'd, you can't you can't walk back from the the injury you've already given me. Uh, okay, Brian. Let's Brian and Ryan. Let's start off. Brian, thanks for doing this. It's about time someone made the official list. Um, you are the man. I think you've taken all the air out of the room on who knows what about CrossFit. So let's fucking let's celebrate. Let's celebrate these CrossFitters, but more importantly, celebrate. Your giant brain. Number okay. 10. We'll celebrate the CrossFitters. 
So okay. number 10 is a person with a relatively short games career, but a very impressive games career. In four years, she competed four out of five years at the games. Um, and her fi- finish at the games were fifth, fifth, second, and third. And that's an average of 3.75 placing out of four years at the games. She did win four events over those four years. She's maybe lesser known now um, in terms of a competitive athlete and more known for some of the stuff she's done in the medical and health community and setting out on her own with that podcast that she has. Um, her career was kind of cut short by an injury, uh, ruptured her Achilles during regionals in, I think, 2015. And um, she kind of famously did that handstand walk with the boot on to try to compete as much of the weekend as she could. So people may remember that. But when I'm just looking at her competitive history, four times to the games, four times in the top five, I I had to have her on the 10th spot, at least for now. I mean, obviously, there's still people that can come up in the sport and have great long careers and bump her out. But for now, she still deserves this honor. That picture is incredible. Right. And... Uh, the one part of her body that I just cannot stop staring at is, are those wristbands. <laughs> I am a, I can't believe I don't have my wristbands on today, but that is an incredible fi- picture. Um, even the CrossFit logo, uh, in yellow with the yellow wristbands and the yellow top. All she needs is like maybe like a sunflower, a little dandelion in her ear or something yellow, like in her hair. And that thing would be perfect. E- even, even the weights behind her, the yellow and green. I, 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 I it's a great picture. I do not. I would have never thought she made the top ten. Well, that being said, I mean it's uh, th- that was one that was kind of surprising. I wasn't too familiar with her her career, but when I s- just stacked it up against the other ones, I mean, there's some girls. Well, maybe later on we'll look at some of the girls that just barely missed. Um, that you could, I could, you know, people could make arguments for, but man, four times the games, four times in the top five, two times on the podium, four career event wins. It's pretty impressive in a small time do- time domain and. And for now, I think that it's it's okay still to have her here. And she and she's a doctor. Can we talk about that for a second? Yeah, she's. We used to call Julia the the human weapon. Yeah, she was basically she was in residency or going to school or doing whatever you do, medical school, whatever you do to become a doctor. She was doing that while training and competing. Isn't that correct? Yeah. Yeah. Next next level. Um, what was her first year, Brian? Showing up at the CrossFit Games. I think, it, I think she competed in 2011, 12, 13, or 10, 11, 12, and 14, I think. Okay. So legitimate years. Yeah, she was uh, yeah, 10 and 11. She was fifth, second in 2012 to Annie, and third in 2014 behind Camille and Annie. And it'll be very interesting to see who number 11 is when we get to the, after we get to number one to see if number 11 is Jamie Hobart. Who? <laughs> You don't know the athlete, Jamie Hobart? Okay. This joke has maybe another half mile on it, and then I think it's (laughs) totally dead. But I'm glad you're drawing so much pleasure out of it. Absolutely. That's why you're on the show, for pleasure. (laughs) So anyway, yeah, 10 10 was – it was a little tough. We can talk about 11 and 12 later on, and I felt like it's – if anyone wants to make an argument for those two, I could see it, but I'm going to go with Julie Can we see 11 real quick? Uh, No, let's wait till the end, Hobart. Oh, come on. Come on. Let's wait. Let's wait. And and by the way, someone just wrote in the comments, I thought Hobart was buying a mic. Nick, I thought Hobart was buying a mic too. I've only sent him the link at least two times. It's supposed to be here today. We just did this podcast too early, but whatever. You're right, Nick. Sorry. If I get invited back next time, I might have a mic. 
You will always be invited back. Number nine. That's the only nice thing I'm going to say to you for the rest of today. Thank the day. God. So number nine, um, getting wow. into some modern uh, era CrossFitters here. So we have Carrie Pierce. Carrie Pierce will be competing in her seventh CrossFit Games. In the previous six times she's been to the game, she's been inside the five, top ten five of those times. Her rookie year, she was 21st. Then she had a fifth, tenth, sixth, fifth, and third. That third obviously was last year in stage two of the CrossFit Games at the ranch against five female athletes. She's won three events at the Games, and she's been um, pretty good in the, you know, as we talked about in the men's um, conversation, 2019, 2020 are a little bit different. So when we're talking about these modern era athletes, we have some who've done really well at the Games in those two years relative to the other performances and some who have not. Carrie's one of these that was fairly consistent um, in all, you know, in, in all of the recent years, obviously. And she was consistent in the sanctional circuit. She took second and third two years at Wadapalooza against really good fields. I think it was Tia, Tia and Sarah Sigmund's daughter who beat her there. And then she was sixth at Rogue Invitational the year she competed. So she's clearly up there amongst the best in the world right now, very consistent over the last five years and, um, comes in here at ninth on the list with an opportunity obviously to improve as she's still, still competing. Uh, Hobart, uh, Nick just sent you $5 to put towards your mic, uh, through YouTube's donation option. Well, Nick of time, you got a great handle. Thank you. Uh, keep it, keep it coming. Brian, how far apart are, are, how far apart are Carrie and Julie Fouché? Like, I'm guessing they're not even close. Like, basically, you've, you've, by putting Carrie Pierce at number nine, the first thing that pops in my head is, is that number nine is significantly better than number 10. Yeah. I, I kind of had a groups of athletes. And so in, in the case of the women, basically five through nine is, I'm, is one tier of athlete for me right now. And there was, it was very difficult for me to distinguish between those. Like I said, Julie was kind of in the next group and I just had her at the top of that group. I have a question. What if Carrie didn't finish third last year where she finished, does that make her, does she stay in ninth place? I mean, assuming that it was somewhere inside the top eight or nine last year, I think she would still, still be in this, in this position. Yeah. I think that there is a gap here between 10 and then the rest of the field. Huge gap. And she also, I mean, when she won Mary, she beat everybody. Like she didn't just beat women in her field. She beat every, right? Every CrossFit Games athlete, including the best male of all time. Yeah, that's true. And in, and in the case of both Noah and Matt, what I'm about to say could be relevant, but it's like less relevant than the fact that she beat a Brent Fikowski. That's a range of motion workout. Obviously, you have to have a tremendous capacity to do that. But when you're talking about 600 plus repetitions of a workout and you're three or four inches shorter than the person you're comparing them to or eight or nine inches shorter than the person you're comparing them to, it's going to, I don't think that someone who's eight inches I mean, how much better does your capacity have to be to make up eight inches over 600 body weight reps? Pistols, handstand push-ups, and pull-ups? I mean, if Seven and I were exactly the same fitness and I'm five inches taller than him, I could never beat him in that workout. I I, I, I just blocked everything out Brian said. That was devastating. He just just blocked it out. It's nonsense. Let's let's cut that out of this. What Carrie did, what, what you said that Carrie did is like people really get your head wrapped around that. Yeah, at the, the games fittest with a judge. Men, yeah, go ahead. Go ahead, James. No, no, you go. You go. Let's yeah. let's double team him right now. 
uh, at like you were saying at the games with a judge, she beat every single male CrossFitter in the world in that workout, and that is really a CrossFit workout. And uh, she is a complete savage. Brian, could you say that she's the fittest American ever to grace the floor of the CrossFit Games? Let's hold on that question. Okay. Actually, this gave me an idea for another awesome top ten list. Don't don't share it. Someone will steal it. <laughs> I won't. Actually, you ac- actually, you can share it because Brian already explained to me that Brian and I have this talk. Even if someone steals it, there's no one more relevant than the three of us. Yeah, I said it. I said it. <laughs> uh, most number. Ama- okay, I'll tell you after. Let's go. Well, real quick, I'm sorry to, to to focus on two outfits now, but what do you think about that top she's wearing? I feel like. Um, that that is that really puts a lot of stress on the camera's ability to process when you get things striped like that, that are black and white and the lines so close to each other. So athletes, just so you know, that is a difficult. You're challenging the media, media's uh, technology when you wear clothes like that. That's all I got to say about that. That was great. Thank you. Yes. Uh, number eight. Oh man. Number. Oh eight. no way. <laughs> wow savage, man and she's like one of the oldest competitors in the field you're brian all right wow. just go so you, you think she's too low on the list yeah but i okay. but i don't know seven through one so i you know do your thing where you convince me and well so actually <sighs> the, diff, the decision between holta and pierce was razor thin for me um their performance at the games uh mirror each other pretty closely in the sense that uh, Kristen has one more. This will be her eighth year. It'll be Carrie's seventh year. Kristen has a second-place finish. Carrie has a third-place finish. Each of them, it's their only podium finish. Carrie's actually career average at the Games in terms of finishing placement is one placement higher, 8.3 instead of 9.5. That's Kristen's. Kristen's won five events at the Games. Carrie's won three. Um, Again, each of them have only made the podium in their last two years. They kind of bounce back and forth at the games in terms of beating each other, by the way. Kristen will beat her one year. Carrie will beat her the another. They're very close on the podium a lot of years. But um, in the off-season competitions from the past two years, um, Kristen's performances are, you know, it's, 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 it's really razor thin. Um, she's got a fourth, a first, a fifth, a second, and a ninth, opposed to carry a second, sixth, and third. All, both of them are competing at pretty good competitions for the most part. So I have Kristen slightly ahead of carry here, but this was one of them that I was, it was almost like a coin flip between the two of them for me. Uh, Brian, I, I'm going to break some really bad news to you. Um, Hobart has jumped ship and now is lobbying people <laughs> in the chat room to, um, to attack you. This is some real uh, woke shit you're doing, Hobart, and I'm a little disappointed in you um, jumping ship. You, James, you're James Hobart the second? Yeah. I had no idea. Learned something new I every just, day. I just think Kristen Holte's performance of getting on the podium in 2019 through a tougher field, I bumps her up to a seven, but I, you know, and I, I just, I've worked out with her before. I just think she's a savage, and I think, um, Bump back to a seven. You don't know who's in seventh. Well, you're going to tell me hopefully eventually. So, look, and that's number that second seven. place finish is phenomenal. But again, that's an, that's in a year where, um, you know, a bunch of very relevant athletes missed the cut by small margins and didn't have a chance to finish the competition the way that I think they deserve to have the opportunity to. 
Obviously, I'm not in charge of running the games and making those choices, but I think that her finish might have been quite different that year had even 20 athletes been allowed to finish the second half of the test. Um, have you have you trained with Carrie Pierce, uh, James? Um, no, but I've met I've met her a handful of times. So so that that was nice of you at least to reveal your bias. Yeah, a hundred percent bias on this one. Yep, hundred percent. Okay, Brian, number seven. Seven again. This was a tough one for me to place, but I'm going way back here and giving the credit wow. to Kristen Clever. Wow, James doesn't like it. <laughs> So Kristen's, um, for those that don't know, she's been to the games five times. Um, the last time she competed at the games was not, was kind of just a shell of who she was prior to that. She took 32nd, but in the four years that she, first four years she competed, she was first, second, fourth, and fourth, 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 first, second, fourth in order. Uh, she has six event wins at the games, which I think one, two, three, four, five, six makes her seventh best all time. And I don't really have a, you know, a ton to stay here. If you haven't ever watched the 2010 CrossFit Games battle between her and Annie Thor's daughter, it's one of the most epic back and forth of all time. I think they won like eight or nine of the 11 events that year between the two of them. Um, Kristen's a bit of an outlier, you know, in, in a lot of ways, uh, on this list. She's, you know, hasn't competed in a while. She's a bit of a smaller athlete. Um, but she was phenomenal for the year she was there. I expect that she'll, you know, obviously she'll just slide down the list as time goes by. But for now, I still think similar to Julie Fouché, but better. She deserves some credit for now. What do you think about this idea that Kristen Clever kind of changed the sport? She was, she kind of showed women what, what they were capable of. And then everyone kind of took hold of that and, and ran with it and kind of left her in the dust. But she, I feel, I feel like she, she upped the, how much the year she won the games? How much did she win by? I feel like she really like took the women's division to the next level, and then and then the next year after that, it went even one level higher. Um, that that year was basically her and Annie were pulling way ahead of everyone else. So it was some small margin over Annie, big margin over third place, and then the next year it flipped. Annie was able to beat her, <clears throat> and then she, you know she was fourth the year after that as well. And then that was basically the end of her career. One more appearance, but a thirty second place finish. So. Similar to Josh Bridges, we're just at the last year or two that they were competing. They weren't in that conversation, but I don't know. Four years, four top tour, four finishes, six event wins. Yeah, she was early on in the sport, but I definitely agree that she helped to forge the way ahead. I also feel this. This is kind of off subject here, but once you start placing like thirtieth and below at the CrossFit Games, it's really basically thirty through fortieth. I always picture sort of as a as a tie, a ten way tie, because when you start getting into the people who finished at the bottom, the injuries start take coming into account. People pulling out of events. There's just it becomes more circumstantial than really how well you did. I could be wrong on that. I think That's just it's, the way I think about it. Like when I think about at the games, the the closer you get to the top, the more each place matters. So like, I think there's a big difference between first and second, second and third, fourth and fifth maybe similar. Then you can say like, okay, six through eight, maybe nine through fifteen is kind of like somewhat in a you know, and then the gaps get bigger and bigger, or the groups get bigger and bigger. I don't know. What what's the deal here, Hobart? Are you having kind of the same thing I am that you think she's sort of a relic and that she wasn't even really competing in a mature sport? And so no. she shouldn't be on the list because I, I sort I think, of had that with Julie a little bit, but with Kristen, it definitely even comes in more. I'm not going to call Kristen Clever a relic just because I agree with you. <laughs> no, I do. I agree with you on what you said. Like athletes like her and Annie, um, I think they they forced a, they they spearheaded a huge change in 
what was possible from the female athlete field and just like their attitude, demeanor, training, um, training approach. But I just think that I think the more current competitions and performance in more cur- current competitions weigh so much heavier in this. Like, I don't know if I, I would keep her in the top 10, I think, but not seven, not ahead, not ahead of uh, Carrie and um, Kristen Holte. But I also haven't looked at the data, but I would have put Graham ahead of Dan Bailey in the men's list. Oh, yeah. He has a cha- and he has a championship. Right. Yeah, but, poor, you know, Br- poor, Brian's the poor Brian. Poor Brian. Poor Brian. I'm just Brian's... here to take punches. <laughs> you you want to Brian's... talk about you want to talk about Graham and Dan? <laughs> no, no, no. Let's do that on the next show. We have Hobart on. We'll have Hobart on later this week, and we'll bring up that. Look, I I hear what, I hear what you guys are saying about Kristen Clever, and um, you know, if Kristen Holta and Carrie Pierce, like their best performances come in years that is just hard for me to weight extremely heavily their podium finishes relative to other years. If they come back this year and place in the top five, then I will with I will not bat an eye and I will move them ahead of Kristen Clever easily. But if they come back this year and finish fifteenth, I don't know. Fair. Uh, number six. Six. This was probably the most difficult person for me to place on the list because she's had so many things happen to her off the competition floor. She's in some ways it's similar to a Fakowski and Vellner's situation. So she shows up to the games. <clears throat> I have the wrong thing pulled up here. Yeah, she shows up to the games, um, 2015. Is that right? 2015 was her first year? Yeah. Cause, yeah, third, third, fourth. And then things mm-hmm. kind of start falling off the, the rail for her. And she has, um, you know, obviously the 2019 season's kind of weird, but she doesn't make it through the cuts. She finishes 21st. She comes in the 20, or no, sorry, the 2018 games she had to withdraw due to injury. The 2019 game, she finished 20, or I guess 20th and then 21st last year. So when you look at these three performances on the heels of a third, a third, and a fourth, now we're sitting here wondering like, well, who is this athlete and what is her real potential in the sport? The other thing is relative to everyone inside the top 10, she has the least number of wins at the CrossFit Games. She's only won two events, Fibonacci finale, that event that James was talking about earlier, and heavy DT. But this is the really weird part. In the midst of having bad performances in the last two years at the games, she competed at eight sanctionals. She yeah. won four of them. She was second wow. twice to Toomey, and she was third twice, also both to Toomey, and one time Jamie Greenbeater before she changed her last name, and one time Carrie Pierce Beater. So she's wow. almost untouchable in these off-season competitions, with the exception of Toomey, who obviously is heading shoulders ahead of everyone else, and yet she's been bad at the games. Why has she and been bad at the games? Go ahead. She won the Open three times, right, Brian? And she's a three-time Open champion. I don't put her. Wow. I don't really consider that very very, uh, relevant. But yes, she's won the Open. By the way, by the way, I disagree with Brian one hundred percent on that. I disagree. Can I ask you why you don't? We're we're attacking him. Can I ask you why you don't consider that the Open that relevant? I'm because I think it's super relevant, and I just want to hear your your insight there. Yeah, I mean, I'm assuming you're going to say it's relevant because she has to beat a hundred thousand people to win that that award. I don't know. I just don't think that the best athletes in the sport are always really investing in the open. So, like, uh, for me, my assumption is that the last five years or four years or so, Tia Claire Toomey is just doing those workouts as one of her training pieces on that day. And Matt Fraser is doing the same. You disagree. That's I disagree. Yeah. And Rich Froning is just casually doing the opening and finishing 10th. 
And that's the point. He could, he could invest in that and potentially do better, but he's just doing it at the end of a training day, 20 minutes after the announcement's been made and posting a score and moving on with his training and his life. And I think that there's a lot of people that do that. Whereas at the CrossFit games, as you look, if you're following the athletes that are preparing for the games right now, they are preparing in every single way and focusing every detail of their life to be an optimal physical and competition performance for the CrossFit games. So your performance at that event trumps any open performance to me and it's not even to me it's a negligible conversation but you guys are free to disagree no i i just wanted to hear have you say it because it sounds um more legitimate coming from you do you think um sarah is an athlete who suffered from like peaking too early because she, she performed so well in those outside competitions regionals the open and and she performed really well at the games but i always thought she had more in her at the games um i mean a lot of people and i'm one of them think that like there's if we could just figure out how to get her to perform at her best performance, that she could be the one to challenge Tia. Like she seems to have all these things and it just hasn't come together at the right time in the right way. Um, and to be fair to Tia, even if that was the case, maybe she couldn't challenge her. I don't know, but it seems like she's never been able to get everything dialed in at the right time to show us what her true, like the true limits of her potential are. And that's why it's hard to place her on the list. I, th I thought she was going to be the next Rich Froning in 2015 or 14, whatever her first year is. She showed up yeah. at the games. I think I even say it in the behind the scenes. She was so dominant. Um, and, and going back to the open, I disagree. I don't, I, I, I don't think it's even relevant what our, what our, uh, opinion is of whether people give it their all or not. There is such little room for error in the open. There is so little room. You take 2800th place in a workout and you are fucked. And so, um, I think the open, if you win the open, you are, I, I think it's, I, me personally, I think it's tantamount to winning the games. I really, really do. No, that's complete. It is, that's totally wrong, dude. How many times has Tia won the open in the last five years? Ed, it does, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Even, even the fact that she. No, it matters. She's been the fittest. She has not lost a live competition in five years and she's won the open once. You can't tell me that Sarah winning the open makes her fitter than her in any of those years. Well, you could argue it's that Tia didn't try her hardest or you could say is that she's just not as good at the open. She's just not as good. You could, you could, I could flip, flip the argument and say that, Hey, she's, when you have a hundred thousand people in there, she can't stay at the top with all of those people. I, I don't think, that, I think that those people are trying their hardest. I, I, I don't buy that argument. There's too Even much if variability. They're not, you can have the option to redo the workout as many times as you want. You can, you can, fine. you can be cutting reps, range of motions <laughs> marginally, and they may or may not penalize you for it. There's a lot of different nuances and variables that don't exist in live competition that just, it doesn't hold water for me. I'm not arguing that either. There's tennis that's on clay court, on grass court, and whatever that other third court is, and and just like there's competitions with their different um, different CrossFit competitions with different variability. I still don't think it takes away from the profound statistical odds and the level of uh, uh, of competition in the Open. I just I think the Open is Matt. You shut it. Matt Souza just said Brian is on. I don't want to hear your opinion. You just get us and, people you know, to be and, on the and, show. And to be fair to what you guys are saying, it's a small group of people who have won the Open. You know, Matt and Rich have won a majority of them. For the men, Noah's won one, Dan's won one, and maybe there was one other person. Like, it's it's really hard to win the Open. So I, want, I don't want to take that away from her. I just don't think that it's one of the things that I'm factoring in here when I'm, when I'm comparing her to the other women on this list. Okay. Huh, that's cool. 
That's all I got. Uh, Sarah, we all agree you're good. We want to see you do better. Number five. So, uh, yeah, number five, um, Sam Briggs. This, I mean, Sam Briggs is 39 years old and she's still competing with the elite level open individuals at the games. Uh, this will be her ninth time competing there. She was a champion in 2013. That's her only podium finish though. So that's kind of, uh, a little bit of a knock against her when comparing her to some of the others. And obviously we're getting into this, like the best of the best here. Um, she's got, she doesn't really have any terrible performance at the games, but her three worst finishes are 19th, 18th, and 25th. Again, those 18th and 25th are from the last two years though. And 19th is a rookie year. So in between there, and she didn't make the games every year. She had a couple years where she missed, including 2014 due to handstand walking. So she wasn't able to come back and try to defend her title that year. But her finishes were fourth, first, fourth, fourth, and ninth. So five consecutive years in the prime of her career inside the top 10, four of those inside the top four. And Sam Briggs comes in fourth all time currently with 11 event wins at the games. Um, she's also been <laughs> incredibly impressive in recent off-season competitions. Again, we have to, we of course know that she's usually competing against girls that are five to 15 years younger than her in these events. She's, she won Dubai two years ago. She won the Australian CrossFit sanctional. She was third at Dubai the second year she competed there. She was filth at filthy 150 and she was 12th at the Rogue Online event. So phenomenal in every sense. She's been around forever. She's got incredible proficiency to win events. She has great performances at the game. She has a championship under her belt. Um, and I said that it was like a, she was still in this group with Sarah and Kristen, Kristen and Carrie that I was kind of debating between, but I still feel like a Sam deserves this spot in the top five. I really like Sam Briggs, and I don't know if this is uh, what the exact word is for this, but in 2014 or 15, whatever year you said that was, that she didn't make the games, I would call that one of the most – Man, is is the word heartbreaking, controversial, um, noteworthy topics around her uh, because it really changed the games that year in terms of the validity of that win for those, those for those of us who were who were watching it closely. Kind of like it, validity is a little strong, well, but kind seven, of like how it changes the, the landscape that Matt's not in it this year. That was the same year. So Sam would have been the defending champ. She didn't qualify. And then Kara was up there battling with Camille for the title that year, and she had to withdraw. So potentially, potentially, the two fittest women that year weren't able to finish the competition or even start it. Wow. Talk about having the, the stars align for Camille. So that means Camille's not in your top four. Well, okay. <laughs> Very good, good call. Good call, Hobart. <laughs> And also, I just want to say real quick. Um, Nick Does that mean says, she's number eleven? Does that mean Camille's number eleven? Is that your guess for number eleven, Hobart? Eleven or twelve? Yeah. Okay. Sorry. Go ahead, Hobart. Nick from uh, YouTube says that uh, how many people do well in the open and then end up last in the games? <laughs> yeah. See, so so that's really revealing that comment because they're they're different. They're different competitions, but but they all are still in that CrossFit. Um, ecosystem in, in, in terms of where the test is coming from and the test is coming from the company that defined the fittest or the man that defined the fittest greg glassman um brian who has the most triple crown wins so like win the open in the year win the regional win the games wow 
Uh, man, um, well, Tia's only won the Open once, and I think it was was it th- was it this year? Or did you did you win it there last year? So she, I've, I'm trying to think of any women. Maybe I don't know if any woman has ever done that actually. Maybe Sam. But, but I think Matt and Rich have done that a couple times, right? Oh yeah, on the men's side, um, Rich won it probably in t- three times in a row: 2012, 13, 14, and. Fraser, he didn't win the Open every year. He didn't care to the couple of years. But I think he did maybe do that in 2017 and 2018. So I'd say Rich probably has three and Matt has two, but I'm I'm not, I'm just guessing. Hmm. Is Samantha Briggs top top three in the most mentally tough dis- or slash disciplined athletes? <laughs> I mean... Like, has anyone competed harder for longer? Um... Not a soul. Maybe I mean, there's only there's only three athletes in the history of the games, men or women, with more games appearances than her. Wow, who are they? Annie Thor's daughter, Ben Smith, and uh, Rebecca Voigt. There you wow, go. that's rarefied air. That's cool. And and I'd like to argue this for Sam Briggs. Uh, if she was at the game, she deserved to win the Spirit of the Games. So any year that you see someone won the Spirit of the Games and it wasn't her, you know that there's a political bias. Because I'm telling you from being down there on the field with her, there is nobody who compares to her in terms of camaraderie, um, presence, attentiveness to her fellow athletes, attitude. She is uh, in a league of her own. Yeah, Spriggs is awesome. That's cool. I like that a lot. Five. You got you got one out of ten right so far, Brian. You're, you're <laughs> oh shit! <laughs> but you got to weigh the one. You got to weigh the ones at the top more heavily. Yeah, yeah. We'll see. We'll see what happens here. If you get the next four right, Brian, uh, James will let us publish this show with his picture on it. <laughs> well, we'll see then. Hey, and by the way, um, why is the why is the hot link to watching this show live not a picture of me and a picture of Hobart? I know, and it's it's a, not a great picture. I'm going to send you guys some different pictures. It's a great picture of you. What are you talking about? I mean, that's that came from Torin, Emmy winner. Yeah, it's great. Torin Simpson, he killed it. That's a great photo. Okay, Brian, number four. Number four is uh, the person I think is the <laughs> fittest to have never won the CrossFit Games. It's Kara Saunders. Uh, formerly Karma Webb and Kara Gordon. So if you're trying to look up the totality of her competitive career, you need to check those things out. Uh, this three names. Name. She was she was Saunders Gordon, and then wait, what 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 was the order her names went in? Gordon, Webb, Saunders. Okay, I didn't know that. I didn't know she was a Gordon. Um. Anyway. Um. Okay. So. Uh, She's been, this will be her ninth time competing at the games. She did have to take a year off two years ago to give birth to her child. And, uh, she came back last year and competed in the online version, but, um, she didn't make it to stage one. She just missed by like five points advancing to the final five last year. So she ended up taking eighth. Uh, her first two years of the games were okay, 19th and 12th. Then she had a fifth, seventh, second and fourth. She also had that year in 2014 that we already referenced where she would have finished first or second. Um, right up there with Camille, if she was able to finish the weekend, ultimately she had a pinched nerve in her shoulder and wasn't able to see it through after a couple push pull. And then the midline madness workout was just too much for her. She couldn't, couldn't go on. So she's had a couple of unfortunate, um, 
like close calls, that being one of them. And then obviously in 2017, she only lost by two points to Tia. It was that epic finish on Fibonacci finale. That was a pretty heated and controversial workout because there was a 2-2-2-3 inter- or competition because the 2-2-2-3 intervals were earlier in the day where her judge had said she could go ahead to finish, but she still had three more reps to do. So she thought she'd done this in a workout. Then she had to wait for a scoring review. And at the end of the day, it came out of two points. And it's not, I mean, it's, I'm not sitting here and trying to say she was fitter than Tia that year. I mean, Tia, you know, is a worthy champion. Obviously it was her first title also, but like that's how close she's been to winning a couple of times. Um, she's comes in right behind Sam in terms of number of event wins at the games, having seven. And in the few off season events she's done in the last year, she took a first and a third. Third was at the Rogue Invitational. The year was online competition where she was competing at two and three in the morning, doing those workouts against girls from all over the world. So again, I think that Kara is, you know, she's, a, it's a little bit up and down. There's a little bit of misfortune in some of the years for her to not be able to maybe have even as good as her resume is. It could be better. Um, but she's, she's made it her way over to the U S. You know, she's got a couple of weeks to get ready here. And I think she's poised to have another good performance at the games this year that could, uh, only, you know, only potentially bolster her resume. The, the little bit I know all of the athletes from my interactions with them, she is, um, I don't know what the words are for this. Uh, her competitive nature is crazy. It is so intense. She is, um, she, she's a win by any means necessary kind of gal. Uh, when, when Brian and I most recently interviewed her, I don't, were you on that podcast where we interviewed her, Brian? She presents a little more happy-go-lucky than I think she really is. This uh, lady is a warrior. Uh, she is. Um, she doesn't mince words. She is. Uh, she she's not worried about making friends out there. She is. Uh, she's a killer. I, I, it's really. Um, some something is definitely unique about her. I agree, and uh, you know it was. I didn't feel like I could make any case to move her higher up on this list. I did. I, and, um, honestly, as I was talking to you guys about Sam, I, I, if someone wanted to move Sam ahead of her, I wouldn't probably dispute it too much. But overall, I think Kara just has a little bit more, um, potential, like, uh, across the full scope of the test. I, th- I know Sam has more event wins in her, but I feel like Sam's more of that up and down performance, whereas Kara has a capability to win events, but, there's really few events over the history of her career where she's done poorly relative to the competition field. And she's challenged in more recent years, um, you know, Tia in ways that few have. And that holds some merit for me. She also crossed the finish line unconscious one year. And uh, that deserves a standing ovation uh, for sure. That was insane. I think that was in Murph, right? Murph that was, in that, Murph. Yeah, that was Murph in 2015. Yeah. Okay. Do you respect that, Hobart? Oh, Hobart's muted. That's my perfect. No wonder we haven't heard him talking. Oh, I like this placing a lot. <laughs> number two. Number, number three. three. Number three. Should we skip number three and just go to number two? <laughs> <laughs> well, there it is. Number three. Catching David's daughter. So now we're getting into the realm of multiple times games champions. Um, 
<clears throat> and Katrin comes in third here. She this is also gonna be her ninth year at the games. So that's the wow. same number of games appearances as Kara Saunders and Sam Briggs, all of whom are still competing obviously in the sport. Um she had a rough start her first two years at the games where she was thirtieth and twenty fourth. But when she came back and won in twenty fifteen, she's been inside the top five for six consecutive years. First, first, fifth, third, fourth, second. And I don't really know if there's like I, there is more to say about her, but that alone is enough to keep her inside the top three for now. She has 13 career event wins, tied for second most all time amongst women with Annie Thor, Thor's daughter. Um, you know she's she's really good. She's really consistent, and she's done it against some of the best competition in recent years. Um, she's earned her spot here at number three. Uh, I, one of the most charismatic athletes, I think. I think she's taken um, what she has and run with it in terms of all categories: her fitness, her personality, um, her her presence in the space. Uh, always super easy to interview behind the scenes. Always available. Um, doesn't seem to be caught up in her head when she's uh, you know when the events aren't going on. Um. Yeah, and, she, and she's taken a leadership position amongst the girls. I think amongst that women's class, um, her pre- her presence is for surely, for surely felt. She has incredible presence when, and, she, when you know, she walks onto the floor or or in the corral. Sorry, Brian. No, no. Unlike and unlike a couple of the other girls that are still competing in the space, but despite the changes in the season the last two years, she's continued to find ways to get into the top. And if you look at that 2019 season in particular, she's a great example of this thing that I've been talking about because she barely snuck into the top 10. I think she was either ninth or 10th, and Annie was like five points behind her but missed the cut. And so Annie did not get to continue in the competition, and Katrin did. Katrin rose all the way up to fourth place over the course of the weekend. And we that's what I'm saying is we could have expected people like Annie Thor's daughter who just barely missed the cut or a Brooke Wells or a Laura Horvath or a Pat Vellner or a Cole Sager to make a similar moves on that weekend, but they didn't have the chance. And if not for 30 ring muscle-ups being in the final event, she might have even been able to overtake Jamie Green and get on the podium that year. So she her case study from 2019, her barely getting in the top 10 and then rising all the way up to fourth is exactly the reason why I think that this year is we're going to have a much better re- reflection of where these athletes, I said there's seven women still competing this year who are in the top 10 and five guys. And it will, and you just, I think we'll watch as the weekend unfolds, the game's coming up, athletes continue to move up the leaderboard and ultimately settle into spots that are most reflective of, of their relative fitness. Has Katrin ever beat Tia in, at the what? games? Well, yeah, in 2015 and 2016, Katrin won won the games, and Tia was second. Yeah, that that's that's a that's that's incredible as as a feat. But it also gives Katrin something that probably the other women don't have. She, in her mind, Tia is still beatable because well, she's look at those because she's years, done it twice. Sure, and if you look at those two years specifically, one of the things Katrin's well known for is her ability to fight. And in both years, it wasn't a runaway victory. 2015 was incredibly close between her, Sarah, and Tia coming down the stretch. Um, and she just was, you know, <clears throat> was able to, to pull it out given the context of the rules that year. And in 2016, we had one of the most 
maybe the best exchange of blows that we've ever had, especially in the women's field. In the morning on Sunday, they had three back-to-back workouts, the handstand walk, the, the plow pull, the sled pull, whatever it was, and then the, the sprint. And I think it was Katrin took the lead, Tia took the lead, Katrin took it back to her, and then we went to the tennis stadium for the finale, and Katrin was just barely able to fend her off. But again, Katrin beat her on the rope chipper, and then Tia beat her on the final event, and it wasn't sure how it was going to settle. And they were just, like I said, exchanging blows all day long, and ultimately she had, you know, pulled ahead of her by just enough to win. And that's what Katrin's known for, is fighting till the end. And she's, um, you know, six top fives in a row This in this day and age. It's hard to look look beyond that. Uh, and Brian, will you explain that what the the smart strategic move that Katrin did that year by there wasn't a cap on the event? Will you explain what happened there? Oh, uh, 2015 was the first year we saw the pegboard, and then pedal to the metal one. A lot of the women were unable to climb the pegboard, and so once that event finished, there were 12 girls that had at least done one pegboard, and everyone else in the field tied for 13th, which earned them I think it was either 54 or 56 points. And Katrin was one of the girls who was unable to do the pegboard. Tia was able to do it, so she got more points than that, obviously. Um, and those 56 points, I think Katrin's total margin of victory that year was like 52 points. So she would have lost the games if she received zero points for that event. And I always, I kind of think that in that scenario, because it was a new implement, Dave did not brief that they would have to do it before the games, as we talked about with some other things. I think it would have been more appropriate, not to say that they should have been dis disqualified for moving on in the competition but it's just like okay you accomplish zero reps in this workout you get zero points this year in the quarterfinals i could not do the 185 pound snatch but i couldn't enter a score of zero i had to enter dash dash because i couldn't even complete the first rep and so i think that 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 makes sense especially when you go back in history and think about the 2010 crossfit games when the story goes that dave castro was there on the sideline saying if this dude who happened to be rich froning can't climb the rope we're not going to give him the championship. We're not even going to let him go on the podium. And you fast forward five years, and the CrossFit Games champion is someone who could not do the pegboard. Not only that, but while all the other girls were struggling for the entire duration of the event to do the pegboard, she, because there was no minimum work requirement, so credit to them for knowing the rules here, chose to not even try in the back half of the event, just get her forearms loose and warm, and then ended up killing pedal to the, to the metal, too. But I... Yeah, but I think also that speaks to why Katrin's always been such a threat is because she looks at the totality of the competition. Like, she's always been someone who's like, yeah, she's super fit and she prepares, but she doesn't just look at, like, what can my fitness do in this workout? Like, she's thinking about every aspect of the weekend to grab points. And that's why you see her, like, sneak into, not sneak, but climb into the 2019 games and then continue to, or 2020, and then continue to push to the top of the leaderboard. Right, and it's not taking anything away from her and Ben's ability to strategize that. They may very well could have set up to the set and said, well, this event we might not get a pegboard. If you fail it three times, there's no minimum work requirement. They didn't tell us that you have to continue to try throughout the thing. So if you're not going to get it, just accept that. Accept whatever your placement ends up being and get ready for the next one. And if that's the conversation that went on and they executed that accordingly within the rules, then I would say that that's not a problem with what Ben and Katrin did. That's a problem with the fact that CrossFit still decided to give all those athletes 50-something points for doing nothing. Bam. Do you think there should be a minimum work requirement on all workouts? Not necessarily. Like I didn't think that there was needed to be a minimum work requirement in that example. I just don't think you should get points for doing nothing, and especially if you don't try. I like that a lot. I think there should be a minimum work requirement. 
Um, number two. Oh, sorry. You want to say something, Brian? To that? No. Uh, number number two. Number two, Annie Thor's daughter. So she's, uh, you know, in some ways, she is Katrin's mentor. You know, she was the one that um, Katrin first saw on the TV in Iceland that motivated her to get involved in this sport. She went to her gym and started training with her, and obviously has come up and been, um, you know, in, in some ways, the Annie was the face of the sport a long time ago. And Savan, you said that Katrin has become kind of a lead, a leader, forging forward for the women in the space now. Um, it's kind of cool that both they both come from Iceland. And Katrin's not just following in her footsteps on the floor, but also off the floor. This will mark Annie's 11th time competing at the CrossFit Games. Wow. She's two-time champion in 2011 and 12. She's got two second-place finishes, one third-place finishes. That gives her five total podium finishes on the Games, which is second all-time for the women and tied for second all-time overall. Um, she has 13 event wins at the Games, ties her with Katrin for second most all-time. And then, I mean, it's really incredible. Like, she's only about 12 or 13 months post giving birth to her child, and she's qualified again for the games this year um, via some, again, some different formats. And I think against even her own expectations, she is remarkable in, in every single way. Uh, and uh, it was an easy choice to put her number two. Oh, that's good to hear. Uh, and uh, you, you mentioned it. She just had a baby and then she's back at the games. And same thing with Cara Saunders. We didn't mention that. And for anyone who's had a baby. It. We mentioned it. Oh, we did. Okay. For anyone who hasn't had a baby, like the three of us, we can only imagine uh, <laughs> how hard that is. But that is a very noteworthy. Um, also, when Annie came onto the scene uh, in 2009. 10. Nine. 2009, yeah. Uh, she was at the CrossFit Ranch, and along with Miko Salo and herself, they were probably the first two – this is a little bit maybe of a gross exaggeration, but but I'll go with it. Uh, her and Miko were probably the first two superstars of the sport. They both had incredible aura. They both the, – the fans loved them. Um, Miko uh, continued to maintain that fandom and that appreciation from the community, although didn't have the success Annie had in the games. But Annie took off like a rocket ship and she sort of embodied everything that there is about CrossFit um, before it was known for the CrossFit games, meaning she showed up there, she did the unknowable and she struggled in front of the crowd even to get one muscle up in 2009 and the crowd got behind her and it wasn't necessarily just her abilities that made her a superstar but her inabilities and to um take her lumps with humility so she is a remarkable and unique character of the likes we'll never ever see in the sport ever again just because people won't show up uh and be i don't think anyone will ever show up and be as exposed as she is in front of the crowd and the and, and the community did a wonderful job and embrace that Nowadays, if you show up exposed at the games, all the pundits jump on you and they're like, wow, shit, I can't believe they can't do muscle-ups. We're back yeah, then. And, they and got not behind just, you. Not, not only were her and um, Miko so likable back then, but they were the first real prominent international athletes in the sport. And even to this day, Europe <laughs> has continued to excel in the way that other non-North American countries have not. I mean, just on the women's side alone, half of the top 10 that we have here are from Europe. And three of them are from Iceland. And Annie gets a lot of credit for that. Uh, and on top of that, she comes from a nation. I think the country of 
Iceland only has 300,000 people. It probably has more CrossFit gyms per capita than anywhere. There's probably no second place anywhere even close. And uh, she brought this great um, lifestyle methodology to her country and probably single-handedly changed her country's health on top of Greg Glassman's methodology more so than any one person has done to a country. But, and, of course, that's relative to the fact that they only have 300,000 people and they're all related. And, you know, there was one year that she had to withdraw from the CrossFit Games. But other than that, 13th or better 10 times or 9 times. I mean, it's it's pretty impressive over a, a, a span where the Games has continued to grow and evolve and the fields have gotten stronger and deeper. She's continued to be relevant. Just an incredible career. I'm disappointed that n- neither of you cracked a smile when I said uh, on a in a country where everyone's related. That really sucks that that, that fell on deaf ears. Yeah, I wasn't going to give you that, man. Thank you. Um, okay, Brian, number one. Number one, not just the fittest uh, female ever, but uh, making a very strong case for the fittest you know, human of all time, Tia Claire Toomey. Um, she came onto the scene as a very, very unknown. Um, maybe some people in Australia knew her when she first showed up in 2015, and she, you know, narrowly won the games that year. If not for maybe a, a scoring decision by the administering company, she would have won the games that year. But her career might have unfolded quite differently had that happened. She came back in 2016, and there's a well, you know, it's well documented, especially in the documentary from that year. CrossFit Games documentary that mentally she wasn't sure if her result in 2015 was really indicative of what she could do in this space. And she was still questioning if she'd belonged in the conversation with some of those women. She seemed to overcome that hurdle in the off season that year. She showed up to 2017. I think it was perfect for her because she had to go against Cara Webb, who was the forerunner in Australia as like the, the standard and gold bearer and athlete to beat there. They'd had some traded some blows at the regional level, but doing it at the games was a different story. And the fact that it ended up being Kara that was pushing her right to the edge in that competition and the fact that she won it so closely, now she's got a second, a second, a first. And from this point forward, it is basically as dominating as anything can be. Not only has she won the games 2018, 2019, 2020, she's competed in five sanctionals. She's won them all. And her margins of victory continued to get bigger and bigger. I told you that Katrin and Annie are tied for the most career, second most career event wins for women with 13. Yes, she had 13 event. Uh, Tia had 13 event wins alone last season at the games, and now she has 24 total. So she's continuing to just put herself ahead of everyone in every statistical category. And like you mentioned a while ago, Sevan, that is mentally very intimidating for the rest of the athletes too. How much pressure is on her? <laughs> we always talk about how much pressure she puts on everyone else. Is this pressure that's put on her? Like, like can she, can she maintain this? I mean, it kind of sucks to go somewhere and know and everyone know you're going to win, right? Because then all you have to do, all you have, the only place you have to, to go is down, and then maybe people aren't even as impressed by your victory. Yeah, I mean, in in the build up to the games this year. Um, obviously it's very fun on the men's side because Fraser's retired. So we can talk about all these different guys who have a unique opportunity to win the games. And on the women's side, basically when anyone's asked me, I'm like, okay, well, I think we should basically not talk about Tia until the games. And then let's talk about what she's doing there. Is she continuing to dominate? Is she dominating by more? Has the field caught up to her? Is she sliding back? And then after the fact, there's plenty to talk about, but yeah, because it's, it's, 
I think I can't remember which one of you guys said it. It's like almost a foregone conclusion. Like if she shows up, she's going to win because she has for so long. That's a great question of how that affects her and her coach and her team's preparation. How do you handle that? Just like knowing that the whole world expects this of you. I, I'm, I'm hoping she blocks it all out. Because like we it. shouldn't take anything. We shouldn't take anything away from her. It's not like people wouldn't like give five years of their life to beat her. I mean, people want to beat her. There's no question. Oh yeah, ever. I mean, all the girls that are competing there that have you know podium finishes, top five, top ten performances, and have been to the games five, six, seven, eight, nine times before, they'll certainly feel like they have the experience and the fitness and the capacity to win the CrossFit Games. But you have to go through this person to do it and so far no you know since 2016 no one's been able to stand in her way and, and you know what is good the, the the fact that she is still doing it and this is um the women who are still competing should appreciate this if you beat tia it there that will be amazing and it will catapult you whereas opposed to whoever wins the crossfit games this year in the men's division is going to have a little bit of that shadow on them everyone's going to say yeah that was the first year matt retired so as much as you might hate her the fact that she's in there and so dominant it also is a tremendous opportunity to really catapult yourself and really state claim that you're the new you're you are the best ever even with one win as long as she doesn't shit the bed or something like drink some pond water in madison and and you know and shit herself the rest of the week. Well, that I mean, that's always the the thing with CrossFit is you get one chance at the games. It's one weekend, and if you happen to be sick, if you happen to tweak an ankle early in the competition, food poisoning, who knows what it could be? Like all those little things um, could could offset the whole weekend. But despite any of that, look at the success she's had. James, he actually asked me a question uh, earlier in the week. He's like, "What if Mallory O'Brien beat Tia this year? How high up on your rankings would she jump?" And I didn't really know how to handle that because one of the things that I first looked at when I was making this list is everyone who I'm including here has been to the games at least three times. If you've only got mm -hmm. one appearance, two appearances, I didn't even consider you for this list. Damn. Hobart's stunned. He's either judging us or he's stunned at how, how incredible the two of us are. No, I'm just, I'm just thinking about this. I'm still thinking about the Annie Catchard thing, but... Um, I definitely think Tia is number one. I'm just, I'm a huge, I'm super biased toward Tia and Shane. I think they're awesome. I think her dominance, poise, demeanor in the sport is like unparalleled. I mean, um, you know, she's as physically dominant comparatively as Matt is, but like energy she brings into the, into the games is amazing. I'm a huge Tia fan. So super biased here. She's one plus the good the good thing is um hobart if you are struggling with the the placement of annie and katrin that all of these girls are in the games this year so when we review this list after the games you know the, those those second third and fourth place you know um annie katrin card there could be some there could be some movement there yeah i just think katrin has a much better um games just i feel like brian just has like a soft spot for like crossfit legacy but um, I think just Katrin's overall finishes at the games edge her out into that. And she's beat Tia twice, which Annie hasn't done. Edge her into that well, second place spot. But No, I mean, if you look at their, yeah, if you look at the average finishes at the games at, over Annie's career, which is 10, well, 
I don't count the year that she withdrew from the games, but for the nine times she finished the competition, her average finish at the games is 5.5. And if you look at Katrin's, it's 8.75. But if you discount the first two years that she competed, then it's much better than Annie's, yes. So I can see where you can make that argument. And in the, in, in the years that Annie and, um, Katrin have competed against each other, especially, um, once after Katrin's first two years, Katrin's beat her a bunch of times, sometimes by small margins. But Annie did beat her in 2017 against, I mean, and that field was a, to me, that was the best women's competition of all time. The 2017 games, those finishes went Tia, Kara, Annie, Sarah, Katrin. Um, so that was a pretty impressive list. And then, uh, Several other athletes were in the top 10 that you'll recognize. To Neil Berline is an outlier, but then Kristen Holt to Jamie Green, Sam Briggs, Carrie Pierce, Alessandra Pacelli. So that was a really impressive year, and Annie was able to do that, to beat Katrin that year. Um, I think Katrin, she's still pretty young too. I think she's 28, and she's got the potential to certainly um, overtake Annie on this list, but I didn't feel comfortable making the move yet. What do you think, Hobart? Did he convince you? Did he slap the no. shit out of you? No. Okay. He did. He beat me with that Q-tip again, but... Okay. The other thing is, you know... <sighs> He's not done. Think... No, it's that, I, you know, they both have two titles, obviously, and while, um, you know, Katrin's did come against Tia, there were, to me, there was a little bit of... I just don't like that decision by CrossFit in 2015. It seemed to me to be against their MO based on the prior history at that time, in that particular event and Annie's win to me are completely untainted. Like there's nothing that, that questions the fact that she won those two years. That's a better argument. And, and, I don't want to give that to him right now, but and, and, and look at the year Annie didn't win her first year at the CrossFit games. It was really, it was all around ring muscle ups. It's it, it was the rich Froney, Matt Fraser phenomenon. They, they, they collapsed on one event that if she would have had just a little bit of practice on, maybe she would have won. How close was she to tar? To, to but that would uh, you could use that same argument for the pegboard thing related to Katrin. I don't think that's like. But but though but I think Katrin's it's how she dealt with it. I think is that Brian's saying not 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 to blame her, but how how CrossFit allowed her to deal with it. Okay. I'm glad that you brought that up, though, James. It is it is a good <laughs> conversation. I thought those were the clear top three. Well, one and then two and three was pretty obvious, but. Um, like I said, I'm not, I wasn't ready to move Katrin ahead of Annie yet. If Katrin podiums this year and Annie finishes, you know, lower than that, then maybe I would. Is, is Tia a better CrossFit athlete than Matt? Fraser? Yes. <sighs> I don't, uh, ask me that when Tia retires. I don't know. I don't know how to answer it yet. Okay. Uh, it's uh, you just choose one of the names, Brian. You either I'll help you. It, you say either Matt or Tia, and we'll and we'll know what you mean by that. Yeah, I can't do that though. I need to be able to to give a, give you a solid reason, and I don't feel like I've investigated enough to do it yet. Oh, uh, what do Simone, you? Th- what do you mean? What's your what, what's your response? I think the um the Matt, Matt or Tia. That's how you do it, Matt or Tia. Statistically, it's uh it's Matt uh. In in my heart, it's Tia. I I, I Tia is just, it's crazy. I, I I don't even like to talk about how good she is because I feel bad. Like it it takes away from her future <laughs> from her future wins, or it puts too much pressure on her. But she is uh she's something else. And and then of course 
man, I don't know. I'm, I'm not as smart as Brian, but there's also that last event that Matt Fraser did for the entire CrossFit world. The, the, the one where you talked about Hobart, where he said, um, should I turn it on now or whatever? I mean, that one event, what he showed the world, I mean, he didn't have to do that. And he still crushed, like, yeah. I'm going to say Tia, but, but I'm open to being wrong. If she doesn't win this year, it's Matt. <laughs> yeah, that's how I feel. Do you, uh, <laughs> you want to see the girls that just barely missed? Yes. Yeah, let's yeah, I want to see num- 11 and 12 let's see and number 11. 13. How close were number 11 and 10 before we see number 11? I had her in there. There you go. Told you. <laughs> Camille. <laughs> I had her in there uh, and bumped her out at the end, the last moment. So, okay. So, you that was hard. That was hard. And and yeah, and, uh, and and why is that? What what was the deciding factor? Who has longer hair? Or um, <laughs> no, I mean, I just you, you know, you look at Julie only competed four years, fifth, fifth, second, third. Camille went to the games nine times, which is quite substantial. But outside of that first place finish, her other seven, her other eight finishes were all worse than Julie's worst finish. They both won four times at the games. Yes, Camille won that one year, but we've already talked about how that year was like the perfect storm for her to win. Cara had to withdraw. Sam didn't make it. Um, I mean, she still beat Annie that year, and Julie finished third that year. So it's not like it was a completely void field. It was an incredible year for Camille, but it's an outlier relative to the rest of her performance at the games, whereas Julie's performance at the games were very consistent and overall, overall better. I, isn't that punishing though, Camille, for the fact that she went to more CrossFit games? No, and because that, that let's just take fair. out let's just take out her four best years out of nine. She was first, sixth, eighth, and ninth. Julie's only four years. She was second, third, fifth, and fifth. Damn. So it just Who's depends 12? on if you take take longevity, or or excellence over a small period of time. But even if you pull out, if Camille, we've given her nine chances and her best four finishes, only one of them is better than any of Julie's top four finishes. I know. I only just, four I, but those, that makes me feel like the there's one is flaw- the one. Yeah. It makes me feel like there's some flawed thinking in that, but I'm not sure. I'm not sure if I can articulate it yet. It depends how highly you weight the championship, James. That I'll give you that. And in this case, I'm weighting it less than the second, third, fifth, and fifth performance. Yeah, I can tell. <laughs> 12 is someone who definitely can break into the top 10 depending on performance in the next couple of years she's still super young she's already got this will be her seventh games she has three event wins at the games and one two three top 10 finishes and out of all six years she's finished the competition nothing worse than 16 so she's still got a, a big chance to move up this is her seventh games yeah it's crazy so her first game she was 19 19, 20, something like that. Yeah, she might be 27. That's wild. Someone wrote, can Sevon make a list of the hottest CrossFit athletes of all time? And then someone else wrote, he he only has two people on the list, Rich Froning and Travis Mayer. <laughs> <laughs> Am I that transparent? Yes. I'd put Brooke Wells on there. Uh, when I did the CrossFit podcast, I tried to say her name in every um, – uh, in every podcast in the beginning, like I say, Travis Mayer's now. I think Brooke Wells is absolutely stunning, and there's something quite angelic and uh, and like peaceful and fun about her. She's awesome. 
Ryan, scroll, th- scroll through some of the rest of the list. Let's see if anyone catches Savan's eye. Number 13, Becca Voigt. Yeah, uh, but, but real quick. Let's stop at Becca Voigt real quick. Uh, this this girl, Becca Voigt, this lady is in a I, – I would put her in a unique category. Her and Ben Smith deserve their own category, I feel like, of CrossFitters. They've really bridged the – They've they've been they've been there for the rest of the the rest of the best athletes in the world to beat up on you know and they've given us continuity throughout the years and uh, they are they are they are unique I'm not sure how to do you want to jump oh, on that s- and help me help me at all no no you, you say that and it's and it's great and the thing is Beck is still competing she has um, ten individual appearances but she has a couple of masters appearances too but Annie's got eleven individual games appearances which is actually more than Becca. And Katrin Davis, Kara Saunders, Sam Briggs, all are going to make their ninth appearance. Camille's has nine. So there's a bunch of girls that actually have a lot of experience here. And even if you go further down the list, there's girls like Alessandra Percelli and Stacey Tovar who've been to the games eight times each. There are a lot of girls with a lot of games appearances to their name. Was Becca the first? Well, thanks for fucking up my story. Let's go on to fourteen. No, uh, is Becca was Becca the first person to be in ten games? Though I think she was the first. It was her or Spiel, right? No, Spiel didn't make 10. It was uh, either her or Ben. Okay. Anyway, I, was, I, 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 I respect the shit out of Becca Voigt. Number 14. Well, yeah, we don't, we don't have to pause and talk about all of them here. I just thought you might like to see some of them because uh, there's a few throwbacks for okay. you on the list. Some girls that are obviously still competing. Here's an old school one for you. Yeah, one of the... F- I was actually going to... I was wondering where she was on the list because... Um, yeah, that's good. Oh, let me let's 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 stop at Laura Horvath for a second. Can she do something at the games this year that brings her into the top ten, Brian? Yeah, I mean, if she took second <clears throat> again this year, um, I'd have to I'd have to give pause for that for sure. You know, she's only got three games appearances. She was second in a rookie year in 2018. Then she was 15th and 24th in the last two years, which were kind of like we've said some different strange years so i don't know maybe maybe but uh definitely she's still super young she's i mean i would expect her if she wants to to continue to compete at you know five to eight more crossfit games and really really make a case to move up this list okay michelle latondra Lindsay valenzuela wow is this the oh. is this the youngest person to be on this top twenty list? Yeah, and the by by youngest I mean I don't mean youngest in age, but youngest to the scene, newest to the scene. Yeah, I mean, but we'll we'll see. I almost didn't include her at all because she hasn't technically met the minimum requirement of games yet. But I didn't want to forget about it when I looked at it afterwards. <laughs> all right. Sixth and fourth so far in two years of the games, and she's only twenty years old. How so? Uh, Alessandra Pacelli, number twenty-one. China Cho, number yeah, twenty-two. Haley Adams. How quickly? Like, what is the lowest she could place this year for her to rocket up toward the top ten? <laughs> I think another oh, top five question. finish. Yeah. Okay. Like, I feel like she jumps the most spots by the end of this year. Yeah, China she's Cho, man. Amanda Barnhart, number twenty-three. Now we're now we're gonna get into some old. Wow, for Michelle Kinney, holy cow! Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, she was a freak of nature. She was pretty awesome. I think she's still an affiliate owner, too. Christy Phillips, Mich- uh, Christy Adkins. How many games did she go to, Brian? Do you know off the top of your head? Seven. Yeah, that's incredible. And another old school athlete, Elizabeth Ockenwally. How many games did she go to? Five games, six event wins. Very, very impressive number of event wins at the games. Wow. And very, very, very stoic uh, during competition week. Very, very, very stoic. Okay, go on. Stacy Tovar, number 27. Eight games appearances. Margot, six games appearances. Wow. What happened to Tennille? I thought she was, uh, this was a bona fide, this was more than a, this was a bona fide athlete. This was a, this was, I'll throw in the category as Carolyn Prevo. She, this is, uh, she was something special. Is she still around? She actually qualified for uh, semifinals this year and chose not to compete. I didn't reach out to her to ask why, but three years she went to the game. She was 11th, 6th, and 12th and won one event there. She was, yeah, she was, uh, you know, poised to be very good, but I think she had a kid. And then I, I just don't know if it's her focus anymore. Gotcha. Mm. Wow. Wow. <laughs> wow. Uh, did she beat Annie? Go, go to Carrie Kepler, number 30. Did she beat Annie? Is that who won the games in? She was third in 2009. Okay. Third in 2009. Incredible. Incredible. Tonicliffe, Anna Tobias, 31, 32. Caroline Reason Tebow. Oh, wow, Brian. I am surprised. This is one of your favorite athletes, right? Well, I, I don't know why I say that, but I mean, this, the whole point of showing the rest of the list is just to see how many good athletes there are. And it's difficult to distinguish between some of these, but it's, it's notable how many of them have good careers and good resumes. And again, it just gives ultimately it just gives value to the top 10 even more so to say how many impressive athletes they have to be better than to get up there uh, i say she's one of your favorite because when her name came up i don't remember what region she was in but she i just remember you being emphatic about how good she is and how impressed you were by her and you thought we should get her on the podcast and talk to her that there was that there's incredible potential in this athlete yeah i think i think she's poised i mean she, she finished eighth in 2019, but it was like a soft eight because of the way that that 2019 season was. And her other games finishes are 22nd, 16th, and 20th. I think she's, she'll have a breakout year this year. Uh, Bethany Shadburn, can she break the top 10 with a, with a, yeah, does she, like, what does she the have to do? All time top 10? Yeah. She needs like three more years of top 10 finishes at the games at least. Wow. I think, Bethany, if you're listening, I think if you beat Tia this year, you make the top 10. (laughs) Number 34, do we have a 34 and 35? Emily Bridgers, Uh yep. Ma'am, crazy to see her that low on the list. She's insane. Uh, Three Helga Doder. What a great list, Brian. Thanks for doing this. This This is awesome. Well, you're welcome. It was a good idea, and it was fun to do. Um, I think it's a you know it's a living list. Uh, we'll have to obviously make some amendments to it in the next couple of weeks, even. But um, thank goodness, I understand. I understand some of the. I, like I said, <laughs> I felt like the women was more difficult inside the top ten than the men. Um, 
I'm happy with it for now, but I fully expect to make some changes based on this year's games. Uh, Cameron, I don't know where Michelle Latondra was. She was in the top 35. I'm going to guess 23 or 33. I can't remember, but I did see her on there. Um, uh, uh, James Hobart, I'd like to speak to you directly right here. There's going to be a lot of people on the internet talking shit about Brian after this for a little while, and it'd be nice if you didn't contribute to that, but you have this look on your face that you're already jumping on Reddit to smash him, and so... Be, oh, heck no. It'd be cool. I, Brian, I got, your, I got your back, man. I could, you know... I don't think there's anybody out. You're the preeminent um, CrossFit statistician slash know-it-all. So when it comes to the games, I got your back, man. And usually know-it-all has negative context, Brian, but in this case, I think I heard it uh, used in positive. Well, I mean, look, I, I understand that it's there. no matter how objective I try to be, there's still some some subjectivity that creeps in. I try to do my best to be as objective or not. And I think it's one of the reasons I also like showing the list is that people can see that there's a lot of athletes from um, the early days or the first half of the sport at this point that still deserve to be recognized and acknowledged for the great accomplishments they have. As the sport ages, those people will, you know, descend further and further into the rankings and into the history books. But for now, I still think what they were able to do early on holds a lot of um, value and uh and it's a high accomplishment so i wanted to make sure to to include them in the list where i think they deserve to be um j- thank you guys for listening to this thank you guys for tuning in uh we know that brian's having some it, it's not his fault for some reason he's having some audio issues we will make a clean version of this if you want to check it out again we'll upload a clean version where audi- brian's audio is perfect and then soon we'll be posting on the internet somewhere I think we're going to launch uh, the sevonpodcast.com and on there will be Brian's uh, official top 10 best of all time in both categories. And the, it's really, in my opinion, and I think anyone with a brain's opinion, the definitive list um, for CrossFit rankings, the best in the world. Um, so there is that. James Hobart, thanks for giving us time on Sunday. Brian, thanks for uh, exposing yourself to the world. I know it takes a lot to put uh, that kind of stuff on the line for everyone to talk shit about. Um, peace. Oh, we have two great podcasts coming up, by the way, in the next couple of days. We have, uh, we're gonna have Jason Hopper and, uh, is it Taylor Self or Tyler Self? Taylor hey. Self, um, on a show coming up this week. We have Patrick Vellner coming up. We have Brandon Luckett and I'm trying to think if there's anyone else. And we have Jason House, the CEO and sports agent from Iridium Sports Agency. And I think he represents more MMA fighters than anyone in the world. We have him coming up on a podcast also. Ryan, thank you for everything. Matt Souza, thank you. You guys did great.